session vocalist, DJ Topliner and Bath's very own Kimberly George joins me for today's episode. Kimberly made her mark on the electronic music scene just three years ago and since then her vocals have amassed over six million streams on Spotify. She is a sought-after collaborator amongst producers and DJs and is a dedicated vocal coach who specialises in artist development, songwriting and vocal technique. Kimberly George, I am going to get all Stephen Bartlett up in here right now and be a bit diary of a CEO and ask you, what do I need to know about you and your background to understand how you came to be a singer songwriter and top liner for DJs? Oh, okay. Deep. First off, I've been a creative person my whole life. I was the child that was given those get sets at Christmas. So I was always making something and always creating something. And it's only when I'm older that I've realized that this thread was always there. I've always enjoyed music and writing for any project. And I kind of honestly just fell into writing top lines. It's a gap in the market where DJs can write an incredible instrumental, but can't write the vocal and they need somebody to come in and do that last bit because you know all those the biggest dance tunes at the moment are in the top 10 and they've all got vocalists on them can you talk about what your musical style is and describe it for us and and what does it actually encompass my musical style as a writer depends on the project totally and sometimes i'll listen to what i've written and think, oh my gosh, it's got Fleetwood Mac vibes, but with a dance tune, which is really quite cool. I like it. It works for me. And not every DJ is looking for that, but the ones that are come to me. So I don't think my style is just one thing. It's really flexible in every way for what that project is. My goal is to write the best vocal and perform the best vocal for that project. So it's not really about me as an artist. It's not about my ego in any kind of way and holding up something. It's just to be creative, play in the project and see what comes out. So you say that you fell into singing and songwriting, but why this genre of music? Why not something else? It just so happened that I went to an event and we got talking to a company that put DJs with vocalists. And I was like, oh, I'm a writer as well. I do this. They were like, oh, I'll send some stuff over. And that was it, really. And from there on in, I was just like, I really like this. I like solving the puzzle of what's going to fit with it. What exactly is the process of being a top-line writer? Do you get a brief from a DJ? How does that all work? So it depends. Some DJs want to create a track around an existing vocal. In which case I've just created them and they kind of sit in my bank and someone comes along and says, oh, I'd really like this one. They have basically one or two instrumental layers on them. And then a DJ can take that, take the acapella, get rid of the instrumentation that I've put on it. To be honest, they're very simple loops, not expected to be kept. They're just there to give them reference of key and maybe a style, but they could completely change it. So that's one side of it. They build around a vocal. 
The other side is that they'll send me their um, instrumental and I'll write a vocal for that. With that, I do ask for a couple of reference tracks and most importantly, why they've chosen those reference tracks. There was a time when I was with a company where I would get reference tracks with no explanation. So you're listening to them, kind of guessing what this person wants and what they like in it. And it's only being independent and working for myself where I'm in control of that process that I've been able to ask why they've picked that. And sometimes you find out that they've picked it because they just like the placement of the vocal. They don't actually like the vocalist particularly. They don't really like the melodies. They don't really like any of the things that as a list, as a writer, you would listen for. So that's been interesting. So I ask for reference tracks and then normally I'll just voice memo a couple of ideas and send them over. There's no point me sitting here and spending hours recording tracks to a great standard if they're going to go back and go, yeah, I'm not about it. Oh, okay, then. Cool. It's, you know, and if they don't like the first idea, I'll come up with something else. Um, so, yeah. So that's it, really. It's just back and two until they go, yep, love that. Okay, I'll develop this idea further. And then we go from there. Have you noticed a pattern of what DJs tend to like in a vocal quality that you then follow through with? Not particularly, if I'm honest. Um, What I do is quite varied. So sometimes they want that big old school belty sound and then sometimes they want a really breathy almost ellie golding-ish vocal and it really can be anything in between what's brought me work is being able to do it all if that makes sense not that i'm saying i can do it all because that sounds awful Um, (laughs) take it own it (laughs) but by being versatile and i think more from taking on a challenge and doing things that I didn't necessarily think I could do initially. Um, It's really served me to be able to adapt to what people need and also serve my own purpose as well of of creating the best vocal that I think I can. Does this style of music come under the umbrella of like CCM? Yeah, I'd say so. But equally, I could name some vocalists that I would put more in that have come from musical theatre backgrounds that have carved out a really nice niche for themselves. So I don't think it, it's definitely not a cookie cutter Mm. place at all because you're dealing with other musicians and it's subjective. They like what they like. They don't even need to really explain it. They could just like that singer. That's who they want on their track. Okay, cool. We were speaking with Jo Sear recently for an episode of the podcast and how she would like to see a course that's dedicated specifically towards pop styles because being under the CCM umbrella where there's things like jazz and musical theatre which also includes like legit it seems like there's just quite a broad range of expectation vocally to cover every part of that genre. So what qualities are involved in like electronic music is there still going to be things like vibrato is there a place for head voice like what would your opinion be there yeah 100 percent. there's room for everything 
Um, and and I recently did a video on my Instagram about yodels because one of the things I want to do over there is educate DJs because I've realized that there's not a common language between vocalists and DJs and producers. So DJs and producers don't know how to ask for what they actually want. And the vocalists are over there guessing, just yes, guessing. And it's a rubbish world for everybody involved. So yeah, I did this video on yodels and it's just those tiny little yodels at the end of a phrase that you actually hearing in pop music all over the place, but nobody names it because they think of yodeling as that big Swedish yodel, not as the thing that Dua Lipa is occasionally doing in her track, you know? So yeah, there's room for vibrato, but it's all down to the vocal. And you're, I think sometimes people can overcomplicate it. Listen to the track. You're a musician as a vocalist. You know what makes sense there. You know stylistically what you enjoy. Try it out. You know, if you if I do a take and I've put vibrato on it and I feel like it's a little bit too heavy, I can dial it back in my next take. It's not the end of the world. Um, so experiment is what I would say stylistically. You never know. And you might just change what's happening in dance music, which would be quite cool. So what actually is happening in dance music currently? And what is the vocalist contending with in terms of technology? I mean, it's a massive advantage to be able to record yourself. Even if you can't do the production, if you can get a clean recording and then get it over to somebody for them to do vocal production on it, it's it's a massive advantage. Not having to go to a studio, get somebody else to record you. It's just time lost in that process so if you are doing your own production or whoever is doing your production you need to be aware of like your tuning of your vocal and not take that personally um it's it's not a personal attack like we all know singers are great singers but there is something about keeping that vocal in harmony with the track and that it makes sense with electronic instruments they're so perfect that sometimes the slight beautiful imperfections we have in our voices don't make sense with those tracks there are some where it really does I think of um a lot of Avicii stuff where it makes way more sense to have a more stripped down vocal that doesn't and it doesn't sound tuned it still will be but it's not to the same extent as say certain trans tracks where they're tuned within an inch of their life because there's just stylistically not so much room for it that it's a cleaner sound that it needs but it's all it's a musical choice not an insulting one um I want to say for the vocalists out there it's, it you know because it has been a hang-up I don't need to be tuned and all of those kind of things but it's musical not anything else for the voice teacher who is working with somebody who wants to go into electronic music and work like you do, would we benefit from having something in our studios in terms of technology or is the technology that we can get our hands on as singers in this style portable enough to take to lessons? And, and what would that equipment be? The equipment is really straightforward. You need a good laptop, a good DAW, whichever one makes sense for your brain. I use Logic. I would always say a DAW is like your kitchen cupboards. 
the one that works for you is the one where you open the cupboard and you find the cups. Um, <laughs> because I have worked with somewhere, you go, where is it? I can't find that thing. It's not in that folder. It's not in there. And nobody wants to be dealing with that. So your DAW is the one that makes sense for you. Then your interface, your mic, and then normally a reflection filter of some kind. I use the Aston Halo because I find that I can use it in most rooms and I get a good sound from it. What I also like is the weight because quite a lot of reflection filters are quite heavy. So you can't adjust the height so easily, whereas you can with that one. So, yeah. Uh, and that's pretty much it. I have put them, apart from the Halo, I've put, if you just want to do a rough recording, you can take your SM58, your interface, your laptop, anywhere you go, and you can do a rough recording. And I love that because it means you can get rough demos out, you can play with ideas, and then when you get back to base, you can get all of that recorded. Um, so I wouldn't say that, singing teachers particularly would need to invest in it unless they were wanting to record their students which could be really advantageous if you can create like Christmas demos or and something for parents that would be wicked um or record the demo that maybe you're a songwriting coach and record the demo for them to go and record with somebody else maybe it depends what your business is as a singing teacher but um I wouldn't say it's super necessary What's more necessary is the skills to be versatile, to sing in different styles um, and to play in different and to play in different genres. As a singer, to have a broad listening catalogue is really beneficial. So some of the vocals that I'll do are very much influenced by the 80s. Some are 2000s, which judging by Instagram and zigzag partings and low rise jeans has come back in a big way um and then uh yeah and then some are a, a combo of all three and or all the influences that you have and everything that you listen to so I think that variety um is really valuable in what you sing and what you listen to and I'm a, a massive grandma Kim I love my slippers and you know my cup of tea as do you, I know you're a fellow tea lover. But my assumption is that this music is being played in clubs and festivals and those sorts of places. So how do you know what goes down well? Do you go to, do you go clubbing often? Do you, is it like you check out Spotify or where do you go to find out what's hitting the spot? Honestly, I don't. I don't do any of those things. Um, I think the reality is people listen to dance music in their cars and in their houses, um, as well as the festivals, as well as the clubs. Um, but for me, it depends what the DJ likes. And also, I mean, that's if I'm writing to an instrumental. If I'm writing something as a ready-to-go vocal, um, that a DJ can build around. It's really about what I want to explore. So at the moment, I'm pondering this idea of taking very boring phrases and seeing if I could make them hooky. But that's more of a challenge for me as a writer to say, well, can I take something that's essentially quite dull and boring or something that people say all the time and make that a hook? 
because I want to. And it's just in the hope that somebody else comes along and goes, that's really cool. I like that. I'll take it. Um, but if they don't, who cares? I feel like I, I want to explore that as a writer. Um, so, yeah, I basically do my thing in the hope that someone likes it. I really like that, Kim. I saw something from Tommy Ludgate recently on Instagram, who we've had on the podcast um, as well before. And she was talking about writing and how we might lose what we're writing with a, a massive audience in mind or tweaking it because we think, oh, yeah, is that going to work for that particular audience? But from what you're describing there, you keep very much your heart and your interest at the very base of what you do, which I think is really quite nice and um, rewarding as a songwriter, I can imagine. When it comes to songwriting, I say I'm wired that way. I'm just wired to be creative. And that's what I said. That's what I meant by what I said initially about I was the get set kid. So I was always creating anyway. And maybe it's age, maybe it's experience. I don't know. But trying to make other people happy just makes you miserable. <laughs> and if you want to do something long term, it's got to be for the right reason. I'm wired this way. I like creating. So I just do it to be creative. It's part of, it's an extension of who I am anyway. So yeah, it's, if you, I mean, you can tweak till the cows come home. Let's be honest. Something When it comes to music, because it's so subjective, you could, you could just keep going. There could be no end to it. There will always be somebody that could come into a room and say, oh, I don't like that bit. Or what about this? Or what about that? Um, and you could do that in your own brain too. But if you're being led by joy, entertainment, um, and your own kind of compass, I think it's easier to say, oh, no, I love this. Yeah, I don't care if that bit's a little bit weird maybe it turns in I write vocals that I would say at some point turn left there's something weird in them and on first listen they're just a boppy vocal and second listen you're like that is a bit strange actually or you know it gets a little bit close to home um and the one that springs to mind is I wrote a song called I don't know if I like you or I'm bored and it was that as females I think we get typecast into vocals of being in love or being cheated on mm. and there are so many more places mm. that we reside I bet your partner shit himself though when you've done <laughs> that it wasn't about it wasn't about him it was actually about somebody that I used today so it is a true story um and I'd seen them a few times and they were nice and they were funny they were quite sweet but I was never excited to see them I never really wanted I was just I was sat there and I was like, oh, I, don't know. I just don't know if I like this guy. I'm just bored. I need something in my life. But it wasn't until I wrote it that everybody went, that's so relatable. Oh, okay. And then somebody else said that they, they liked it. But that, I mean, that idea wasn't to satisfy anybody else rather than, yes, maybe a little bit of frustration at the landscape uh, given to female vocalists, you know, of you're in love or you're heartbroken. You don't exist anywhere in between. So we definitely do. We have complex feelings and people are interesting. And I want to tell that story. Mm. Is that what you feel like 
has become a theme for you then in your songwriting process that you would rather show that there are more things that that female writers and singers can talk about um yes but it's not a conscious drive to do that it's Mm -hmm. more of a conscious drive to not do the opposite if that makes sense so sometimes you'll hear people saying oh I don't want an emotional vocal what I've learned is it's not that they don't want an emotional vocal because emotional vocals are connecting vocals that we can relate in that's why we love songs so we do want an emotional vocal what we don't want is necessarily a heartbroken love ballad in our dance tracks you know so when I see that, I actually get into what vocals that they like. And then you're like, oh, they are about relationships, even though you've said you don't want a song about relationships. You know, it's relationships to self, relationships to everybody else. Um, yeah, so it's not about going, I'm going to fight this corner and do this thing. It's more about going, I don't care whether you like it or not. Mm. I want to tell this. And if you like it, cool. If you don't and it sits on the shelf, well, that was my choice. Um, yeah, so it's not a conscious thing to do r- more to not co- not necessarily feel the pressure to conform. So mm-hmm. it becomes one of those little voices in your head where maybe it used to be, oh, it's not good enough. Oh, this idea is not going to go somewhere. Now it's, why does it have to, if I want it to go over there, it can go over there and you can't tell me it can't. What are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing. I have complete control. Mm-hmm. So what is your songwriting process then? And how would you encourage a singer-songwriter to go about their business? My process for writing is different every time. I have a bunch of voice memos, uh, text memos of things that I will hear or ponder through the day um, that will just spring to me. And I, I tend to just jot them down just so don't forget it. If you're relying on your brain, that's not going to help. Um, it will go blank when you need something. Every singer will know when somebody says, sing something. I All of a sudden, no, no songs, zero. Yeah. What's a song? <laughs> what, what is that? Singing? I don't, what? Um, so, yeah, I keep notes and voice memos and ideas floating around me because when I get into a writing session, especially when you're on a collab with somebody completely new, You, it's nice to have something in your pocket that you can say, what about these? Do you like any of these as a jump off point? Because most of the time they're just a phrase or, or just one line. You know, it's never a complete song, very rarely. Um, so they're jump off points. If I want to start from that way, it's, you know, if I'm writing a top line, the instrumentation is already there. So really I'm I'm dealing with melody and lyrics and then backing vocals, mad lips. So sometimes that'll be a lyric idea. Go, oh, this feels like this track wants to say these words, lyric first. Okay, now let's figure out a melody that makes that stand out and communicates that the way I want it to. So which words do I want to go up? Which do I want to go down? And the impact that they have. So in that way, it's quite strategic, you know, but it really does come down to when you're writing a, um, from an instrument, instrumental first, it really does come down to what they want. So one that I'm working on at the moment likes a vocal hook that doesn't have a lyric. 
So if I think about, uh, I think it's Jack Jones, Becky Hill. They're like that kind of thing. So that's my job. Forget the lyrics. I need to figure out something catchy, something that you'd hum over that section. From there, build that out. What does that sound like? What's this story that I'm going to tell? And tell it. So it doesn't have a one size fits all for every project. And I don't think there is a right way to go about it or a wrong way. Keeps it exciting as well, doesn't it? Because there's no, as you say, no conformity. Yeah, there's no rules. Um, there are no rules with your creativity at all mm. in any way. Um, so even vocally, if I want to do something weird vocally, cool. Mm. Who's going to stop me? No one's going to stop me. The rules that you think exist, most of the time you created. Mm. So what? Just change the rules, dude. Get rid of them. Mm. Make it one rule. Have fun. There you go. Mm. <laughs> Job done. <laughs> Love it. And um, what's the process like with collaborations? And can you talk about the collabs that you've had in the past and, and who you're working with now? The ones where I'm in sessions with people writing on the spot are with other vocalists and songwriters. Um, and there have been a lot of people. Some have worked, some have not. Um, and you know um, pretty quickly when it doesn't. There are a couple of phrases that I just can't stand people saying in collaborations. Dish the dirt, please. One is, this is really hard. There is, a, what a vibe killer. Thanks. Every idea that I was possibly pondering in my head has disappeared. This is really hard. This is really difficult. If that's, even if you're thinking that, do not let it come out of your mouth and to the other person because you just stopped what they were doing, you know. I say a couple of phrases. It's basically anything along those lines. Kim's dictionary of things never to say. Just, just don't, don't talk about it, that it's challenging. It's just, it's like Fight Club. Don't talk about it. Um, because it can be challenging. It can be difficult. But no one needs to hear that at the time that it is. You know, come out with the crappy idea. Whatever that crappy idea is, just say it. If it doesn't fit into that phrase, it's too long, it's too clunky, but, but that's the thing that you want to communicate. You say, I want to say this, but in a less rubbish way. <laughs> This is what I want to get. Because the thing is, it's not about you having the idea. The other person might have the idea and figure out how to take your clunky, mismatched phrase and make it work for the song, you know? That's the whole point of a collaboration. It's that the other person helps as well. It's not about you sitting there and feeling like you've had every single idea and that song is yours pretty much. It's about inviting the other person into that space and into that room so your brains can solve this riddle together. Um, so, yes, never just never say it's hard. <laughs> it's rubbish. Uh, <laughs> and they are people, my collaborations are all, all over the world from all different backgrounds. I write with an artist called Chad Coel, who if you're on Instagram or on Spotify, go and check him out because he's all wicked. Um, definitely doing his own thing as an artist. And it's all for his project. All of our writing is now. And what I love about him is it's all of these influences through his whole life, 
and he's just now doing what he wants to. He's got rid of the, the rules that he made up about branding, about how he should appear as an artist, about all of those things. And he just writes what he wants. And that's what comes out. And it's a really beautiful thing to be part of. It's just a lush feeling to help somebody communicate their idea. And that's the same for the DJs as well. They have this vision for this track and they, and they want to be playing festivals and all those things. And vocals are so integral to the whole, the whole party. So to be that person putting that bit in is cool. It feels like a little superpower. Vocalists should have capes. In terms of the business side of things, how does a top liner usually get recognised in terms of credit and payment? The business side is um, a tricky one because we've come from an industry where vocalists used to get a lot of recognition for it. Um, and also, you know, we they were selling tapes and CDs and that's where a lot of the income was coming from. Now that doesn't exist anymore. Um, and there was always one part of it that I, I didn't agree with, which is that you weren't paying your vocalists, but you'll pay a session guitarist and other session singers. But that person that wrote the vocal is not getting paid, wrote and sang the vocal, I should say, is not getting paid. Why is that? That doesn't make any sense at all. So one of the things that I do is get paid for my session. And that's what I what I get paid for. I get paid for my time recording it and producing it. And to me, that's fair enough. You wouldn't expect anybody else to work for free. Stop expecting vocalists to. Um, and then in terms of the writing, I, I've split mine into two, two definitely defined areas of what I do. So one is that session vocal. It means I can record vocals that have been done before. That comes into there. You pay my session fee, I do your in the writing side, we do what I, I refer to as fair splits, which is the percentage for your contribution to the work and what you've all agreed that that's worth. I mean, most of the time, mine are straight down the middle because as I was explaining then, you know, I put out this bulky little sentence and, <laughs> and you make it a phrase that fits in. Well, whose idea is that? It's neither yours or mine, really. It's both of ours. So most of the time it's straight down the middle because I also don't think if you put one of the songwriters that's in a collab with somebody else that they could write the same song that other people do. It's very unique to the people that are in that room and you should give them credit um, where credit's due. So that's all fair splits on the songwriting side. So it's a fee for me recording and producing and then fair splits in that. So who is this actually for? This style, this way of working, this career path? Well, I definitely don't think it's for everybody. I've spoken to songwriters and people that I've coached as well that have been interested in doing it, and they've changed their mind um, when they've heard the reality about it because it's not about sitting down and feeling inspired and waiting for divine inspiration to come and hit you. It's about getting in the room and solving the problem. And that's on a day where you didn't sleep well last night and you really don't want to do it today. Um, and you're just tired and you're grouchy and you've still got to do it. It's those normal work day things. It's a work day. 
So it stops being one of the beautiful, I just songwrite in, I should take off that voice. <laughs> it stops being one of those, I write in the evenings, I just do it for the pleasure to a job. And that's the same with any creative thing, I think, that you need to decide whether it is something that you want to do as a job because it becomes a business. And in business, you've got to eat, you've got to pay your bills. Um, of course, you're going to enjoy it. Of course, you know, you get to be creative and you love what you do, but there are still going to be those days where you think, I just can't be bothered. I don't want to today. I want to go to the park and have some fun. Uh, <laughs> you know, reality of it. So yeah, it's not for everybody, but explore it because there is a gap here. You know, there's a lot of people creating instrumentals that can't write a vocal and definitely can't sing a vocal. And as a vocalist, if you can do that, and especially if you can get into vocal production, because I do think um, singers' ears are the best for it. You listen to vocals all the time. You analyze yours all of the time. Who better to produce a vocal than somebody that just loves them and already does it? You know, to me, well, you're more qualified than, say, a guitarist that doesn't sing. Why are they doing the production? Stop that. Do it yourself. Um, but equally, don't feel like you need to take everything on. If you're super busy, learn to outsource because that bit somebody else could do if you get too busy. So it's balance. <laughs> Amazing. And I had a great time listening to your material, especially when you were working on Funky Town. Oh, yes. That was very cool. So where can we listen to you and follow what you're doing in in your career right now it's instagram um because i find it the easiest to post and communicate everything that i'm doing um so it's at kimberly george music and kimberly is in the longest way possible it's with all the extra ease <laughs> yes <laughs> i've had that trouble before do you remember when i was like kimberly kimberly <laughs> A-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y, George Music. Amazing. Okay. Thank you, Kim. It's been great to spend some time with you today. And uh, thank you for opening my eyes to this area that actually I had no idea about. So it's been great to chat. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. If you're enjoying the Singing Teachers Talk podcast, and who are we kidding? Of course you are. Share the love by giving us a ahem, five star rating and leaving a comment. Just head to the Singing Teachers Talk main page on the Apple podcast app and scroll to the bottom to click write a review.